following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Wednesday Night Live. I love it, I love it, I love it. My favorite day of the week besides Sunday. What a joy to see in the house of God. You know, this is becoming already our happy place. It's a happy place. It's just a place where we say, you know what? When I walk in the doors, it just feels good. It's just a good feeling place. We are so honored tonight to have the weekend speaker and his precious wife with us. They're sitting right here, right there, Russ and Steph Cripps. We're members of our church and we're in youth ministry and pastoral assistant for nine years. And when he came, he was a peep. When he left, he was a full-grown dog. And he's building a wonderful church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we're so happy that he is here with us. I told him, I said, Russ, there's going to be a lot of folks out of town. Well, there is a lot of folks out of town tonight also. The staff is all in Birmingham, Alabama, learning how to grow learning how to grow. They're at a grow conference. I've been there several times. I've grown. <laughs> Maybe more with Bluebell than I have with that, but I've grown. But, but Russ and Steph are going to be here with us. Pastor Russ is going to be an incredible speaker. I told him, I said, Russ, we're sorry so many of us are going to be gone. He said, hey, it's him. He said, hey, I'm going to be there. I'll be there. I'll take care of that crowd. I'll take care of that church. He's a true pastor. And if you want to come up and greet him after service tonight, please do so. Patty and I and the kids, all, all of us, save one little baby, is going to be headed east. We're going to South Carolina for a few days, and we're going to, we're going to play a little golf. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to watch them because I don't see the ball well enough to hit it like I used to, and I don't want to hit it if I can't hit it right. So I'm going to take my clubs and I'll probably go to the practice range and act like I'm playing and bring home a score of under par to you from the driving range. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the ocean, going to do some of that, and we're going to go down to Paula Dean's restaurant in Savannah and eat one day till the cows come home. We're going to do that. So a lot of things we're going to do, but mostly we're just going to rest. Is that all right if I just take a little rest? Is that all right? Thank you so much. You're incredible people, and I love you to the moon and back. All right, you ready? You ready? Four words. Worthy is the Lamb. Say it again. Worthy is. One more time. Worthy is. Stand to your feet and clap your hands all over the house. Hey, it's a worthy, it's a worthy night. It's a worthy night. So while you're standing, I got to tell you something funny. Patty, I love you, and uh, she's not here tonight. Uh, she, she came down with strep throat. She's not here tonight. I, I, I told her, I said, they shoot horses, don't they? We have a unique relationship. She knows I'm. <laughs> she said, yeah, when. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you what she said. But, but, but I did something today. I did something today because, see, see, when Patty got hurt, this is funny. When Patty got hurt, 
we had so many people just say, Pastor, I want to bring meals. I want to do this. I want to do that. And we've been eating like kings and queens. The folks in this church are just bringing us stuff, stuff that just made, just, I've never seen such extraordinary meals in my life, never. And Patty's an extraordinary cook, but we have had some stuff given to us and brought into us that's just abnormally good. And so we like it. <laughs> and so we eat it. And we don't throw the, result, we don't throw the, the leftovers away, we eat it the next day waiting on the meal the next night. <laughs> and some of it we've eaten three and four times. I don't know how long it takes for food to spoil in a refrigerator, but we're bordering on some of that spoiling on us because we don't want to throw it away. It's so good. But, but Patty, Patty and I are trying to plan for this trip. <laughs> Somebody gave her a scooter but it doesn't, it doesn't work because she can't put that knee on that scooter. So I got her a scooter that had a seat on it, and she doesn't like that one. And I'm telling the truth, Patty. And then, so today she said, Pastor, I, I said, Pastor, she said, Honey, I found something. <laughs> Pastor Johnson, I found something. She found it at Walgreens. It was one of these miniature. Uh, wheelchairs, a miniature chair that's real light. She said, we can take that and put it in the back of the, we're going to drive home after we fly, we're going to drive home. She said, we can take this and put it in the back of the car so Damon and Misty are, are driving over so they're going to haul it over for us and we're going to bring it back. So that's the plan. So I went to pick it up. They had it waiting on me. Well, I picked up a walker. <laughs> I got the wrong thing. But it would, has already been put together because Keith and Joe put it together at church today, so you can't take something you've already put together and rolled over the driveway. You can't take it back and say, this ain't what we wanted. So we've got us a walker for when she gets better. Amen. Now, so I went back, got that, other, got that other wheelchair. So in the living room, the, just before church tonight, we had the original wheelchair, the new light wheelchair, the new walker, Two scooters, a porta potty, and a partridge in a pear tree. We had it. We had it. And Patty is so funny. She took a picture of all of it and showed it to the kids. And the kids saying, "It looks like, looks like y'all have started a nursing home ministry." That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. I want to be sweet to you tonight because I want to be gone a while and I'm going to miss y'all. But I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to pick up where Pastor Brad left off last Wednesday night because Pastor Brad moved me with his integrity message. He moved me. And I, I started saying to myself, I think we need to make this a little more than just a one-week thing. So I'm going, to, I'm going to talk on those themes tonight that he brought forth and I'm going to hopefully stretch them a little bit in, in my own vernacular. But we're so happy that you're in the house tonight. Everybody say, Pastor. Pastor. Preach to me tonight. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us tonight. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And you may be seated. God bless you. 
So I'm not going to tell you any funny joke tonight because I've already told you a funny about our family. I want to introduce some incredible sayings of Jesus tonight, some incredible sayings. You know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are just powerful words. I'm telling you, it's the, it's the gospel like we've never heard it when Jesus just took three short chapters and just made wonderful, wonderful history with those words. Over there on the hillside, can you hear him? He's turning everything upside down. He's rewriting all the new, all the rules. And oh man, he's headed for trouble now. You can't say things like he's saying and get away with it. He's talking about God as if he knows him. About life as if he understands it. And about hope as if he has some. And about a better way and it's narrow. It's a real narrow way. It's outlandish. It's astonishing. It goes completely against society and the values that we have here. I can't believe he said that. He said lose your life to save it. He said the first will be last. He said the meek will inherit the earth. He said rejoice in persecution. He said pray for your enemies. He said, it's better to give than it is to receive. He said, turn the other cheek. And he said, humble yourself to be exalted. I got to put it on the screen, incredible. He tells us to forgive when you'd rather retaliate. To love when it feels so good to hold a grudge. And to serve when we would prefer to indulge ourselves, And to go a second mile when you're asked for just one. And to include when we'd rather shun. And to obey when we want to rebel. And to have a child's faith when we pride ourselves on being so smart. And to believe even when we're pestered by doubts. It's so amazing. I can't believe he said that. Tonight, I want to begin the second part of a series that Brad didn't even know he started last week in which we look at some incredible things that Jesus spoke to us about. Things that if we take them seriously and apply them to our lives can absolutely change the way we live. Do you want to hear from that tonight? God has made some claims about all of us, outrageous claims. And if we will look at them with fresh eyes and a willing heart, they can transfer, transform our attitudes, our outlook, our values, and our lives. On the wall right here used to be an office. On the wall right here used to be an office. And on that wall I wrote this scripture, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When we built this building that we rebuilt now to have this house, we built it on a wing and a prayer. And we borrowed money that we didn't know if we had what it took to pay it back. But God said, I have some plans for you. I'm going to prosper you. And I'm not going to harm you. And I'm going to give you hope. And I'm going to give you a future. 
So my subject tonight, kind of goofy subject, you can survive the rat race without becoming a rat. That's what I'm gonna preach about tonight. You can, become, you can survive it without becoming a rat. Comedian Lily Tomlin said, the trouble with the rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat. I don't agree with that. But integrity is a hot issue today in a society where people feel like they can't trust anyone anymore. Integrity is a big deal. Our book, Mr. Fuller said, integrity is the essence of everything successful. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great poet said, a great integrity makes us immortal. Integrity is a big deal for businessmen, folks looking for employees he can trust. Can the, can the businessmen say amen to that? Amen. Integrity is a big deal for the church that's looking for godly leaders that people can follow. Integrity is a good thing for a generation of young people who need role models that they can follow without winding up in a ditch somewhere. Integrity is a person's trustworthiness. Say it with me, trustworthiness is what integrity is. Integrity has no need of rules, said Albert Camus. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters, said Alan Simpson. But integrity equals to be complete or to be whole. To be complete or to be whole. What you say and mean are the same thing. You make a promise, you keep it. And when you say you'll do something, that's exactly what you plan to do. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians when he said, am I like the world who say yes when they mean no? He said, I am not that kind of person. My yes means yes. Thank you, Paul. And I think people in this house need to have that kind of Pauline epistle in their heart. My yes doesn't mean no. My yes means yes. Jesus gave us 7,000 promises and they're all yea and amen. And if Jesus can say to us 7,000 times yes, I think we ought to be able to say yes to him time after time after time. Come on, clap your hands. We need people that their yes is a yes and their no is a no. Amen. I don't have to pull the headlines on you tonight to prove that there's an incredible epidemic of ethical decay in our society. It does not just happen in the government and corporate world. The same deterioration can occur in the lives of individuals that work in the gray areas of life. In the workplace, you'll face ethical issues. Sooner or later, you're going to be tempted to sacrifice your integrity on the altar of commerce. And one reason integrity is at such a premium today is that our culture excuses it so easily. There are so many issues in life in which you're alone in your decision, kind of like Winston Churchill voting to stand up against Hitler in the parliament one day. And he was the only yes to stand up against him. All the others voted no and said we need to surrender. But when it comes to compromise and integrity, you'll have no lack of company. You'll have a lot of people. When you hear someone say, everybody's doing it, 
you know it's not too far from the literal truth. Integrity means, though, to be complete. Everybody say complete. The root word is an integer, which is a whole number, not a fractured number, not a half number. It's a whole number. Integrity is not a pretender. Integrity is a whole person. Or as my father-in-law used to say, integrity is a person that has nothing to lose, nothing to prove, and nothing to hide. And their lives are an open book because they fear nothing. Integrity is a Joseph in Potiphar's house without anybody else there except the wife. Integrity is a Daniel in Babylon standing against all that Babylonian empire as a teenager. Integrity is a Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree and the Lord calls him out and he said, you have a great spirit. There's nothing in you that is guile. There's no guile in you. So it's a Nathaniel everywhere. When we speak of integrity, we're not talking about reputation because reputation is what other people think about you. Integrity goes beyond that. It's what you know you are inside yourself. It's, it has to do with our character. And tonight, I think we ought to lift our hands after a while and say, Jesus, would you wash me white as snow on the inside again tonight? I wanna walk out of here a man, a whole number, not a fractured person, but a whole person, a complete person, a living entity, and a walking epistle read of all men. It's not talking one way and acting another. Say amen to that. It's not appearing one way and knowing that our lives do not add up. Like the story I heard about a man and a woman that drove through a chicken place in Louisiana. I moved this out of Texas. Sorry, Russ. It was closing time and the manager had always stacked the cash in the chicken place in a chicken box. Made it look like chicken was in there. So when they drove through, he gave those people the cash in that box instead of their chicken. And it was closing time and he gave the day's income to the couple instead of the chicken. And the man looked at the box when they got to their picnic area and said, honey, we got, we got cash instead of chicken. And they counted the cash and there's a whole bunch of it. So they said, we gotta take this back. So they took it back to the manager and he was so elated. He said, I wanna take a picture of this man and this wife for newspaper, a real honest man. And the man said, no, I can't do that. You see, I'm married, but the lady in the car is not my wife. It's easy. That hurt, didn't it? To appear to have integrity because it's, it's comfortable. It's easy to act one way and actually be another. See, Satan is constantly getting us in those squeeze plays between what is right and what is more convenient. For instance, Christians believe that all people matter to God. Amen? How does that come out in dealing with coworkers and customers and competitors? Christians talk about humility and say it's better to serve than to be served. But does that show up in how we relate to people who work for us and with us? Telling the truth, but does that translate into practice when selling a product or talking about a rival or promising a delivery date or cutting a deal? Christians believe in honesty. But what about the expense report? I used to have a man that worked here that was trying to be on our pastoral team. He turned in an expense report that gave him a whole lot more money than what his expenses were. 
And I saw him lose his job right out here on the parking lot. And I said, son, honesty is the best policy. There's no other policy but honesty. Christianity says love for others. How do we treat people that are not on our level socially and educationally? Christianity treats others as they would want to be treated, give less than a full day's work for a full day's pay. You see, the Gallup poll says 43% of unchurched people have stolen work supplies, but 37% of churchgoers have too. It's so easy to say one thing and do another, yet integrity says and does the same thing because integrity starts with an eye. It's not about anybody else. Everybody look at me and say, Pastor, no more blame game. No more blaming it on others. It's me. I need to get myself right in the sight of God with my family, with my workers, with my schoolmates, with myself. Clap your hands and rejoice over that. It's I, I, I. It begins with a decision, a choice. It has benefits and also a price. Ethics, 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 ethics. Situational ethics. Some say I don't make up a good story about why I haven't finished this project on time. The client may fire me if I don't make up a good story. Or unless I gloss over the flaws of the product I sell, I won't get a commission and my mortgage is due next week and I need the money for the mortgage. Pressures can corrode our ethics and they can become situational. We are pressured for short-term gratification that will destroy in the long run. That's the truth. Job 4 and 8 said, As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble also reap it. You ever heard of Eckerd's Drugstores? Eckerd's? Jack Eckerd was the owner of Eckerd's Drugstore chain. And he got converted one night in a church and found Jesus. He got saved, and he really got salvation. He really got it. And he walked into his family drugstore, and for the first time since he had owned that store, he saw pornographic magazines for sale in his drugstore. And seeing the situation through fresh eyes as a Christian, he immediately had all 1,700 stores pull those periodicals out. Someone asked him, is it because you became a Jesus man? He said, it sure was. Jesus changed my whole life. Why else would I throw away a few million dollars a year out the window? In his book, I Surrender, Patrick Morley writes that the church's integrity problem is in the misconception that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It's a change in belief without a change in behavior. It goes on to say it's a revival without reformation and without repentance. Folks, listen to me. If Jesus is Lord, if Jesus made it all, if everything is about him, we ought to bow our knees to him and thank God that he found us and saved us and brought us into this marvelous life. And I don't want to play around games with him. I want to walk circumspectly. I want to walk humbly with him. I want to do justly and I want to love mercy. I want him to know that he is everything in my life. We're too close to the end to be playing games now. It's time to go ahead and step up to the plate and say, throw the best pitch you got at me. I'll hit it out of the park because I'm a child of God. That's right, that's right. Integrity may be costly in the short haul, 
but it pays big in the long run. I'll prove this in my study, not only tonight, but the next time I speak, which will probably be a little while. I see at least five areas in which you can reap great rewards for being a man or woman of integrity. You might want to write these down and put them on your refrigerator. Number one, I see it as a personal benefit. Personal benefit. You know, when you have integrity, you get to be forgetful and not have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what you said. He, Proverbs 10 and 9 said, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Nothing like a clear conscience. No fretting that someone's going to uncover a lie. No anxiety about being found out. No alibis needed. You mail in that tax return on April the 15th or October the 15th and you go home and sleep like a baby because there's a personal benefit of having integrity. The second thing is family benefits. Family benefits. You teach your kids by your actions. Proverbs 20 and 7 said, the righteous man leads a blameless life. Blessed are his children after him. Kids are pre-wired with super-sensitive hypocrisy detectors. You can't fool a kid. My dad used to say you can't fool a kid or a calf. I don't know where the calf comes in, but he said it. <laughs> if you lead a double life, it's just a matter of time before you'll be found out. Like the teacher that had a conference with little Johnny's dad. She said, Johnny's stealing things. John? from other kids like pens and paper and tape. And Johnny's father said, I don't understand it. He knows if he needs anything, I can get all the supplies he needs from work. <laughs> I'm glad you folks are laughing tonight. I'm glad it's been a good week for you. Mixed signals will mix up kids. It's a great family benefit to have integrity. I used to love to see my dad walk in the house. Not only was he big, not only was he a great man, he was an, a man of integrity. He was a man of integrity. I never, I never knew a time in my life when I had to doubt what my dad said to me. I love a father like that. And I wanted that to be in my life and I want my kids to know that and I want my grandkids to know that. There's a family benefit of having integrity and just being R-E-A-L, R-E-A-L, be real. Not sanctus real like Russ loves their singing and I hate it, but real, real. Thought I'd throw that in, it wasn't in my notes. <laughs> we had a concert here one night with sanctus real and I could not hear any singing and Russ thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened. So I gave him one of the albums that we made as a quartet and the next day Russ gave it back to me. So he'll probably tell you that on Sunday. He hated our music, but he loved Sanctus Real. I hated Sanctus Real music, but I loved gospel, southern gospel music. The third thing, that didn't cost you anything, business benefits. Everybody say integrity will give you a business benefit. You are just what they're looking for. Kristen Hansen a speaker and teacher on business issues shared this. She said, the most successful people and companies are those that take ethics seriously. 
This is not surprising since ethical attitudes largely determine how one treats employees, supplies, stockholders, and consumers, as well as how one treats competitors and other members of the community. I read years ago, I want to share this story with you. I'm not far from closing. I read years ago about a theological seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, that was looking for a new president, and they had a search committee. And one member on that search committee said, hey, I've got a neat idea to find us a neat president. Why don't we send the top five candidates, the men that we're looking at in the top five, why don't we send somebody from our team to go interview every janitor at their school? And somebody looked at him and said, where'd you come up with that idea? He said, I thought it was pretty cool. Whatever the janitor says is who we're going to hire. And they went to five schools and interviewed the janitors. And at one school, the janitor said, our president does not consider anybody lower than himself. Our president has taken me to lunch. Our president has bought me Christmas presents. Our president always compliments my work. Our president always makes me feel like I'm part of the team. Our president has invited me to a Christmas party at his house. That president got hired because there's something about ethics. There's something about integrity that everybody matters. Everybody matters in your life. Everybody matters in your life. Inevitably, this affects how one is treated in return. Ethical managers and ethical businesses tend to be more trusted and better treated and suffer less resentment, inefficiency, litigation, and government interference. I must be a commitment keeper in all I do. That's God. That's good for business, especially return business. And number four, society benefits. Integrity gives you society benefits. You get to share your godly influence. Eckerd's decision, Jack Eckerd's decision, was headline news years ago. He wrote to other drugstore owners, and many followed suit to do what he did. And Chuck Colson wrote about Mr. Eckerd. He said, What we could not accomplish by passing laws or fighting it in courts or litigations. One man committed to Jesus Christ did it all. Porn is on the run. 15,000 stores eliminated it from their shelves that very year. Don't tell me that one man cannot make a difference when it comes to integrity. Come on, clap your hands. And the fifth thing is spiritual benefit, a spiritual benefit. You get to draw closer to God. When loyalty to God is only on the weekends and the bottom line is all week, you put a wedge between your week and your weekends. In essence, you are saying, God, I'm committed to you in certain areas of my life, but you need to know that when I'm at work, I have a different set of values. Matthew 6, Brad told about it last week and quoted this scripture, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you'll come. Comedian Paul Reiser said this about decision making. He said, I can make decisions. I just don't feel good about them sometime after I make them. Friend said, go with your gut. Another friend said, go with your heart. He said, I can't decide gut or heart, gut or heart. So I got to do an autopsy. The heart says yes, the gut says no, and the colon is iffy. (laughs) That's funny. Here's how it is. First, you pray. 
Second, you've become proactive, not reactive. And third, watch the, what the crowd is doing and walk the other way. <laughs> That's probably where integrity is. I'm declaring to you right here tonight that in my young life, in my young pastor life, in my young minister life, I had to make some choices. And I made those choices because I believe they were God choices. And I stand here today having written on that wall for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you and to help and heal. And I'm standing here today because I believe I've made some choices that were right. I probably wouldn't be preaching this if I was 35. But I'm a lot older than that. I'm more than double that, barely. But I'm here to declare to you, if you'll start making good choices now, you'll wind up in a great place. Don't just keep making bad choices. Don't just keep making choices that take away from your integrity and your ethics. Make right choices. Paul said in Romans, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You can run the rat, run the rat race without becoming a rat. I close tonight. I used to love racquetball. I played it. And then one day I went to St. Louis and I went to a Jewish center and watched four of the top 10 racquetball professionals in the world play. I just went and watched them play. They was playing a doubles match. And I walked out of that arena that day and I retired from racquetball. <laughs> I really did. That's a fact. That's the truth. I've never seen a display like it in my life. But there was a certain gentleman named Ruben Gonzalez who was in a final match of a pro racquetball tournament. In the fourth and final game, he was behind. At match point, Gonzalez made a super kill shot to the front wall to win the game and the referee called it good and the linesman's affirmed that it was a good shot. But Gonzalez, after a moment's hesitation, turned around, shook his opponent's hand and declared that his shot had hit the floor first, making it illegal. As a result, he lost the match and he walked off the court defeated. And everybody was stunned. Everybody was stunned. They couldn't believe that a player of that caliber and officially in, in the favor of the judges that saw the shot, with victory in hand, disqualified himself at a match point, and he lost the match. When asked why he did it, you got to hear these words, folks. Here it comes. Reuben said, it's the only thing that I could do to maintain my integrity. He said, I can always win another match, but I can never regain lost integrity. Hey, listen to me. I'm going to miss the fire out of y'all. I'm going to miss you bad. I really am. You guys, Lord, I'm not leaving. I'm just going on vacation. But you guys bring me such joy preaching to you on Wednesday and Sunday. 
and I'm honored to be your pastor. And I want God to take care of us. God to take care of you. You are so special. You know, if people have hero pastors, pastors have hero saints. And there's a lot of heroes in this house tonight. And you're loved by me. And Patty sends her love with her feet propped up. <laughs> Love you, Patty. Would you stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, by the way, before we dismiss tonight, they're not coming to sing, but before we dismiss tonight, two things I want to tell you. Number one, we miss Pastor Randy tonight. I think Annie Daigle did an awesome job leading the group tonight. It was awesome. It was awesome. Randy's with his father. We'll be home Friday and we'll be in church Sunday with you. But I noticed a Sunday when I finished Worthy is the Lamb. I noticed that no, a lot of people didn't want to go home. They didn't want to go home. It was kind of like, can we stay a little longer? And I noticed that young people were just standing here in the auditorium just worshiping. Let me tell you, you can do that anytime you want to. That's not off limits in this house. Joshua lingered in the house of the Lord. That doesn't mean you're more spiritual. It just means you want to get something more from God. And it's all right. People can walk out. They can go home. But you want to stay? It's okay. Just stay. Stay till they get through singing. I like to hang around too. It's not but three or four more minutes. But thank you for doing that. And then the second thing. Sunday night we finished our Holy Spirit life group. We had 152 come for impartation that night. Amen. Amen. Hey, I would say half the crowd were either filled or refilled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Sunday night. Isn't that beautiful? It just, and you know what? It, it, it was so, it was just kind of like, you, you remember when mama used to put you in the tub and say, soak until you, you wrinkle. I want you clean. And you'd get out and your skin would be so wrinkled because you'd sat in there so long. We walked out here with a wrinkled spirit Sunday night because we just were sunk into the presence of God. Folks, there's something happening at Christian Life Austin this summer that tells me that when the fall comes and we get past summer and vacations are over, we're going to have a hard time seating people around here because God has his hand squarely on this church. Would you raise your hands all over the house and let me bless you. Dear Father, I thank you for this beautiful people and I thank you for the online audience tonight. And I thank you for your love to us, your grace upon us, and what mercy you show us. We're honored, Lord, to just call you our Lord we feel so honored to call you Savior and Lord. And God, we know that the only thing that makes us worthy is the fact that the Lamb is worthy, that you made us worthy by the death on the cross. And so we honor you. Thank you for every person in this house. Thank you for everybody that helps these services. Thank you for everybody that comes and supports this house. And thank you for everyone that comes to visit us. We ask you to bless everybody tonight and bring us back on Sunday. Let us have a great, great day and let Pastor Russ preach the gospel 
as you have laid it on his heart. For it's in Christ's name I pray all over the house. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody say amen. amen.